Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Some head nods, some people are like, I'm, we're not telling. And that's okay. That's a reflective of maybe the week and the day weekend we've had. And it's just good that we're able to come together and to worship wherever we're coming from, uh, whatever the type of week we've had, wherever we're coming in today with. It's good to be able to be together and to be encouraged by one another. I want to say thank you to Sarah and the rest of the worship team for leading us so well. Uh, I appreciated that moment to take a breath and to feel my heart beat in that reflection. Uh, thank you for that this morning. This morning we're going to talk about our relationship with work. And the reason, though, reason why we're going to talk about work is that work is one of those things that I think we can have a rather complicated relationship right, with, Right? I mean, there's some of us who uh, log long hours at our jobs and we feel important as a result. You know, we feel tremendous satisfaction from accomplishing things and you know what, we are willing to put in the time and energy going above and beyond in order to see those things happen. Conversely, some of us have other approaches to work, and uh, I once had a job where my coworkers seemed to do their best to avoid ever actually having to do work. In fact, a good day for them was if they did the bare minimum. That was one approach to work. Now, usually when we think about work, we do tend to think about what we might call jobs or something that we do for money. That's normally what we think about. But this morning as we talk about work, I want to expand that idea because uh, we, if, we, if we limit our conversation about work to what we do for money, we're actually missing out on the purpose that we have in life. And, and not all of us are at the same stage of our employment or our careers, right? Uh, but we have other things going on that are important. And so with that in mind, I want us to think about work as being bigger than what earns us money. That work is any activity that involves mental or physical effort to achieve a purpose or a result. And what this means is that while our work could earn us a paycheck, it's not limited to what we get paid to do. Rather, for some of us, our work is about how are we caring for our families, whether we have young families, whether we're looking after people who are uh, family members who are older than us, our work could, be invo could involve how we're caring for our families. For others of us, uh, our work is, how w is connected to our studies. We are in school. We're in a season where our job, our, our, our work is about learning and growing and developing. And then this idea of work can even apply to our volunteer activities. And let me just say that we as a church uh, rely heavily on volunteers, and we know that some of you are putting in some serious work to make it possible for us as a church community to achieve our purposes and our goals. I want to say thank you for that. But what, when it comes to this idea about work, and whatever constitutes our work right now in this season of life, we need to discover what does it mean to have a proper relationship with work. And so the big idea that we're going to be exploring this morning is that a healthy relationship with work will be life-giving and not life-taking. And I think the book of Proverbs, as we're working through a series in the book of Proverbs this summer, the book of Proverbs can help us with this. But before we get to the book of Proverbs, I, I want to take a very short, um, embarrassingly short, actual look at a theology of work. So this should be a whole sermon series. I'm going to give you five points in about 30 seconds, okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you really want the sermon series, bug me later and we'll figure out when to schedule that one in. But ver a very short theology of work. Uh, first, work is a gift that God has given humanity. Uh, the creation story talks about how work was a gift that God gave people like us uh, so that we would have purpose and so that we would be invested participants in what God had created. What God had created. So work is a gift that God gave humanity. Second, 
I told you, we aren't taking very long on these points. We are to glorify God in the work that we do. You know, our work is about more than just getting things done, but as we work, we are expressing who God has made us, and that brings glory to God. Third, God's redemption story includes redeeming our work. And that is to say that the the work that we engage in is a part of how we express God's mission to make all things new. We are a part of that story, and the things that we do, the things that that we consider our work are a part of that. Fourth, no matter what my grandma says, vocational ministry is not a, hall, not a higher calling than other work. <laughs> Sorry, grandma. Um, I don't even know if she'd actually say that, but I just made a good line. All right. The, you know, the ways and love of the kingdom of God grow through all, all the work that we do, regardless of whether that we are pastors or missionaries or whether that we do anything else that is in life. We are all a part of what God is doing in, in, in the world today, and not one particular vocation is a higher one than others. Lastly, there will be work in the new heavens and the new earth. You know, we were not going to be floating on a cloud, sitting around, doing nothing on our lounge chairs, strumming uh, harps and eating Philadelphia cream cheese, if anybody still remembers that (laughs) reference. But scripture indicates that we are going to be giving meaningful work as a part of the new creation. We're going to be given something to do. And you know what? I think we're going to actually enjoy it. It's going to feel like, hey, this is, you know, I have something to do here that, that makes me feel like I'm a part of this thing that God has fully redeemed. There is going to be work in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, no doubt we could say more, and maybe I've just opened up a whole bunch of cans of worms, and I'm okay with that. We're going to, you know, you can deal with those worms, and we'll talk about those another time. But for now, we're going to continue in our summer series on uh, the wisdom that we're calling the wisdom of Proverbs, and we're going to look at what Proverbs has to say about our work. This week, I was talking to my sister who had just come back from a few weeks at their family cottage, and uh, she was talking about how they'd had such a good time away, but one of the hard things that she was saying is like, you know, now we have to get back into the swing of real life. You know, the kids have to get back into routines. We have to make the house work again. I have to go back to, she had to go back to her job, and it just felt hard. And as she was talking about this, I'm thinking, we've all been there, haven't we, right? When, uh, When vacation mode felt so good that we didn't want to go back to real life. And we, when we had to go back to real life, we struggled to re-engage. And the temptation is for me, and maybe it is for you, is that, to wish that vacation mode could just go on and on and on forever. And you know what? As much as we need breaks from work, uh, in order to, it, it, and we need breaks from work in order to have a healthy relationship with work, we need to actually recognize that work has its value. And so instead of seeing work as something to avoid, well, if we, th- we need to realize its benefits. And actually thinking about work as something to avoid is actually not beneficial to us. That actually doesn't develop a healthy relationship with work. And so our first lesson this morning is to re- recognize that there is great potential in being diligent in our work. You know, the work that we do each day has the potential to be tremendously helpful to us and to others. And in the big picture, it's something that is necessary, and, and so we need to recognize that. And on a functional level, we need to recognize that diligence in our works, work provides for our needs. Proverbs chapter 28 says, Those who work the, their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. You know, this proverb praises a person who's willing to engage in hard work because it is through their hard work that they and their families will have the things that they need. 
And indeed, the reminder for us uh, is that when we put our time and our energy into our jobs or caring for our families or into our studies or into our volunteer activities, that we are more likely to achieve the things that we and other people need because we're putting that effort in. Conversely, there's a challenge in this proverb for us to examine where our efforts are going. You know, we have only so much time and so much energy, and while we do need leisure activities in the rhythms of our lives, those are good things, we would be wise to, to recognize that these activities don't usually provide for our needs the same way that diligence in our work does. And so we ought to be careful that we don't get lost in pursuing leisure activities at the expense of doing what is necessary for our needs to be provided for. And as we see in just a few moments, prioritization becomes a part of this thought process as we're trying to develop a healthy relationship with our work. Now, what about our hopes and dreams? What about our hopes and dreams that we have for our lives? You know, as we look to the future, uh, some of us are hoping that we're going to enjoy a successful career, while others of us are thinking about what retirement might look like. Some of us have dreams for our families. We have things that we want our kids to experience. And, or maybe what we want is we want to create a, a home for our, our families that is comfortable and a place of peace and, and safety. And for others of us, admittedly, these are all too grown-up sounding uh, because we are just not there yet. And what we, the dreams we might have for us is, is things that we want for ourselves. We want to travel. We want to see the world. We want to experience some of the big things of life and have some fun. You know, whatever our dreams might be, we would be wise to recognize that diligence in our work is essential to achieving our dreams. From Proverbs 22, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. You know, this proverb is a part of a piece of advice given to somebody who's in, in, a, in the stage of life where they're training for their career. And in those days, kings and officials would always be looking to, uh, for promising young apprentices. And so this promise of working for the king was an ideal that people wanted. And so this motivation, the motivation was to study hard and to develop skills so that one day you might be assigned to be working for the king. You know, as we reflect on this point, we need to keep in mind that Proverbs are not guarantees of success but they do point us in the direction of things that are generally true. And the truth is that very little of our dreams will become a reality if we're not willing to work for it. You know, working hard at our studies will give us a greater chance of the life we want later. The effort required to make our homes a safe, comfortable place creates the opportunity for healthy family relationships and memories to be made. Working hard at our jobs gives us a chance at financial stability and creates opportunities. You know, hard work is a part of achieving our, our dreams. Now, a less positive way of looking at this looks like, sounds like this. A lack of diligence in our work can result in regret. Proverbs 12 and then Proverbs 14. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You know, in both of these proverbs, there are, are those who, there are people whose approach to work is to give their best, to work hard, and the result is success. You know, success in terms of advancement and success in having more than what they actually need. There's success there. In contrast, this proverb uh, points out 
points out to what might happen if we choose not to give our best, not if we choose to not put in our best effort, perhaps getting distracted by things that seem enjoyable in the moment. And the result might be that we might find one day that we are not in as much control of our lives as we might want, or we might not have the things that we want or the things that we need. We might not have access to those things. See, the result of not being diligent in our work can be we lack opportunities, power, and resources, and, and that, the things that we could have if we'd been diligent in putting our effort into the, things, the, the purposes that are in front of us. Again, remember, there is great potential in being diligent in our work. During my last year of seminary, I, I, I met weekly with a junior high age student who attended our church. It was sort of like a big brother relationship. And so we got together every Thursday after school. I picked him up from school and we, we'd hang out. We'd talk about life. Sometimes we'd sit down and do homework and other times we'd go and we'd do something fun. And so one time we decided to go bowling. He'd never been bowling before and so we decided that we were going to go try bowling. And as you can imagine, you know, bowling isn't easy for somebody trying to, for the first time, because that ball seems to always find its way into the gutters along the side. Some of us have been bowling, you know, a lot, you know, many times, and we still find our balls going into the gutters. They're just there, and we can't seem to avoid it. Well, the good thing about this bowling alley that we were at was that they had these neat things that popped out from the, from the gutters, right? They had the bumpers that would pop out. And the neat thing about these bumpers was that it, no matter how you know, experienced or inexperienced you were, the ball kept on going in the right direction towards the pins. They were, were, uh, uh, there's something that's there, a piece of equipment that's there to help people learn how to do this thing called bowling and to keep things moving in the right way. Once you get to a certain point, you put the bumpers away, it's called cheating if you don't put them away and you've been bowling for a long time, okay? But at first, you need these to help learn. No, you're like, no, it's not cheating, that's what I need. Um, you know, sometimes in life, I think we would appreciate having bumpers, wouldn't we? You know, bumpers to help keep, uh, keep life moving in the right direction and to save us from things going into the gutter. And in a way, I think that the last lesson that we're going to look at this morning and all the little subpoints that come through from it can help us to determine where the gutters are and maybe help bump us on track. And so our second lesson this morning is that having a right relationship with our work requires knowing where the gutters are. And so one of the first things that we need to keep in mind is that we need to beware of the enemies of contentment. You know, when it comes to our work, we need to be careful that we don't start thinking that, you know what, if I did just a little bit more, if I worked a little bit harder, that that would lead us to being content. You know, if I spent just a little bit more time at the office, I would accomplish, that, I would accomplish more and that would make me feel valuable. Or if I spent more time studying, then I eventually I would be satisfied with the, with the result of, of, of my, my grades. Or, you know, if the house was just a little bit cleaner, then I'd be able to finally breathe and relax. But the reality of life is that, that often the more we have or the more we, we choose to pursue, you know, it rarely results in what we might call contentment. Proverbs chapter 15 says, Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have a great treasure in inner turmoil. You know, what this proverb reminds us of is that sometimes having less leads to greater levels of happiness. Indeed, there, are, there, there can be burdens that come with having more. There can be burdens that come with, with being focused on success in our work. 
What can creep in is a fear and an insecurity about what might happen if we stop. If I don't keep pushing, if I don't just keep moving, what's going to happen? Am I still going to be valuable? Am I still going to accomplish things? Am I, you know, life's just going to fall apart. You know, too much focus on our work can become an enemy to actually being content. Now, conversely, the Proverbs also remind us that a slugger's appetite is never filled. Now, throughout the Proverbs, the word lazy or sluggard is used to describe someone who's unable to work or, or to use the energy that they have uh, to the best of it, their ability. And as an aside, we might say every now and then, hey, you know, I'm having a lazy day, and this is not what the Proverbs are talking about. Because when we talk about having a lazy day, what we're talking about is recognizing a need for self-care. We're talking about realizing that we need to step back from all the demands of, what, of our days, or the demands on our time and our energy, and we need an opportunity to rest, to become rejuvenated, to become, have our energy levels filled and, and replenished. We, we need that so that we can actually engage life in a good way. But that, you know, that cycle of rest is not the laziness that the Proverbs are talking about. Rather, Proverbs like this one have in mind uh, a failure of someone to live up to their potential or a refusal to develop one's skills. It's like a, a willful you know, rejection of like, any sort of like, ambition and purpose. And so on the one hand, we want to be sure that we don't put too much stock in what we can accomplish through our energy and through our efforts. But at the same time, the other gutter on this one is, is choosing to never put the work in. And so this proverb reminds us that, that being unwilling to work will result in its own sense of discontentment with unrealized hopes and dreams and missed opportunities and missed experiences being the result. Now, another thing for us to keep in mind is that we need to beware of the temptation to try to do it all. From Proverbs 23, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. You know, while this proverb speaks about wealth, I think that it can also speak into this conversation about work as it serves as a warning about being so focused on what we want to achieve that we, we wear ourselves out, that we get to the point of maybe feeling burnt out. Indeed, somebody who thinks that they can do it all, working day and night and saying yes to every opportunity that comes their way, is going to find themselves being, feeling exhausted and unable to enjoy the fruits of their labor. They're not actually going to be able to engage life in that life-giving way that we want. Now, in a similar vein, this next proverb reminds us that because we can't do it all, that because we can't do it all, that we need to learn how to prioritize our work. Proverbs 24, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. You know, the setting behind this particular instruction is life in an ancient village. You know, for protection, people live close together in a walled village, and each day, family members would get up, and they would leave the safety of the village to go work in the fields, uh, go look after their livestock, and then they'd re re return in the evening. And this proverb is an instruction to uh, likely a young husband to be diligent in going off and doing the work that needs to be done in the fields, and only when that work is complete may he return to build a house for his family. Now, both of these tasks are important. You know, we need food and we need shelter. But this instruction makes it clear that what is most important is having a stable source of food before moving on to do other things. And for us, this is a reminder that as we look at all the work that needs our attention, and there's lots of stuff that need our attention and lots of things that are really good and, and deserve our attention, but we 
are reminded that we only have a finite ability to do it all. In fact, we can't do it all. And naming that reality will lead us down the line of prioritizing what do we need to do with our time and our energy and our resources? What are the things that need to come first? And that might mean that we say no or not yet to something that's really good. Something that, you know what, needs our attention, but just now isn't the time to do it. That said, the fact that we can't do it all shouldn't become an excuse to not do what we can. And in fact, my favorite proverb this week puts it this way. There's always a favorite proverb of the week, one that just kind of gets me. This is it. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards to those who send them. Just like imagine the vinegar in your teeth. You know, in the ancient world, there were people whose job it was to relay messages. And as we can imagine, this responsibility was something that carried great, great importance. And if somebody didn't take their job seriously, it would cause anxiety and frustration to those people who were relying on them to be able to get those, those messages. You know, as we consider our relationship with work, we also need to recognize how other people might be relying on us and how, we, how when we withhold ourselves from doing what is our responsibility to do, that we aren't just letting ourselves down, but we might, in fact, be letting down others as well. And so it is important for us to figure out how do we balance being mindful of our own capacities with the responsibilities that we have with others, Now, do you remember that point in the pandemic, I think we're about two years past this now, where we had that group of 10 that we called a bubble? Do you remember that some of us have repressed this? This was that group of people that we were allowed to, to meet with uh, closer than six feet. I could stand up close to you. We could take our masks off and we could have a wonderful time. But it was our group of 10 that we were supposed to have, right? Well, uh, here's the thing that I learned about myself during that time. You know, when I looked at you, when I looked at other people around me, I could be really judgmental uh, of you if your group was larger than 10. But if it had to do with me, I could come up with all sorts of reasons why my group being 12, 14 was okay. Did you have this experience? You know, it's one of those funny things about life is that when we look at other people, we, you know, we hold them to a standard that sometimes we can justify ourselves, you know, there's reasons why I don't have to live up to that. There's reasons why. I've got good reasons. See, we can justify our, tend to, our, we can justify our own actions quite easily sometimes. And so the last gutter that we need to be aware of in terms of our relationship with work is to be aware of our tendency to justify our actions or maybe justify our, our inactions, Proverbs 26 says, a sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. Now, on face value, you might find, we might find ourselves saying, yeah, you know what, going, there's a lion outside. Going outside is not a good idea. We should avoid that, right? On face value, that seems like a very prudent comment. But that is kind of the point of this proverb. That at times we can create wonderful excuses for avoiding work that, you know what, we can justify. But in how this proverb is written, we should be able to sniff out that this is an excuse. As the story shifts from there being a lion in the road to there being a fierce lion who is now roaming the streets. You know, the story, as the story is told, and as we tell our own stories to justify our actions or the things we want to do or the things we don't want to do, they often start small and they start to grow. And I'm not even sure we always know that this is, this is what's happening. 
See, the problem sometimes in our justifying our actions is I, I, I don't think we actually re- recognize what we're doing. In fact, in our minds, you know, the reasons why we might give to avoid something like work seem legitimate when they're really actually excuses. A couple verses later in Proverbs 26, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. You know, we can sometimes make the assumption that somebody that's so, that we might call lazy is, is, is somebody with poor self-esteem. That everybody who is lazy or sluggard has poor self-esteem. But this proverb actually challenges that because the person in question in this proverb is, has good enough self-esteem to consider themselves to be smarter than people who, a group of people who are known to be wise. And this proverb invites us to see that we can become so convinced of our own wisdom that we are not open to being enlightened by people who might know better. And so when it comes to our approach to work, we need to recognize that at times we can, un- we can justify un- unhealthy ways that we go about work. Either justify doing too much and being busy all the time, or justify not doing enough, or even justify r- completely wrong priorities. See, left to our own devices, we can come up with some really great reasons to maintain an unhealthy relationship with work. And in a roundabout way, these Proverbs challenge us to recognize that our perspective might not be accurate and that there are people around us that can help us get on a healthier path when it comes to our work if we are willing to humble ourselves and listen to what they have to say. And because wise people tend to be the way that they are, and this proverb kind of says that these wise people answer discreetly, these are not in your face. I'm going to come up and tell you what is wise here. Wise people, you know, as you look at, at how Scripture talks about those who are wise, tend to be soft-spoken, gentle, not pushing themselves on other people. And because wise people tend to be this way, we actually might have, if we, if, to become more aware of, of how we might be justifying things, become more aware of things that might be unhealthy in our lives, we might actually need to go to somebody to say, can you tell, us what you, can you tell me what you see in me? And be ready to hear what they have to tell us, even if we don't like it. Now, as we consider what it means to have a healthy, life-giving relationship with the things in our lives that we call work, and again, I don't want us to be thinking just to what we do for money. You know, there's a lot of good things that we do in our lives that constitute our work. It's our purpose. It's the things that we do that are contributing to our lives and contributing to the lives of others. There's a lot of things that can be a part of this. But as we consider what it means to have a life-giving relationship with the things that we call work, we need to keep in mind that everything that we do stands a, chance, a better chance of being good when who we are and what we are about is rooted in our relationship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3 puts it this way, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the idea here is that if we are followers of Jesus, then, then Jesus being our Lord, Jesus being the center of our lives, is supposed to influence every aspect of who we are and what we do, including our work. You know, the way that we relate to others is to be informed by the love that Jesus has for them and informed by the love that Jesus has for us. The decisions that we make are to be shaped by Jesus' teachings. The things that we do uh, are to be about doing things that are are obedient to Jesus' calling on our lives to follow him. And so this Jesus focus applies very naturally to all the various things that we might call work that are a part of our lives. And so as we consider what does it mean to have a healthy, life-giving relationship with work, 
We are invited to make space to know Jesus, to allow him to be a regular part of our lives so that we could hear him speaking into us and shaping our priorities, the things that we love, the things that, a sense of discernment about how we are using our energy and our time, that we are making space to hear what, what Jesus says about our work and even what it means to rest, because I think those two things go hand in hand. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you again for bringing us together this morning. And Lord, this morning I want to recognize that, you know, we've all had different experiences this week. Some great, some not so great, some things that have, have just energized us and some things that have just pulled us right down. Lord, we thank you for, for meeting us this morning and Lord, it is my prayer that as we go from here, that Lord, we would sense your presence going with us. God, we each have things on our plates that constitute our work. And they look different for each one of us. For some of us, it's our jobs. For some of us, it's careers. For some of us, it's studies. For some of us, it's, it's caring for loved ones. Lord, there's a whole lot of things that could be our work. And Lord, it is our desire to have a healthy relationship with this or that we would know what does it mean to, to give our best and to develop our skills, to honor you with that, Lord. And Lord, that we would also know those, those gutters, those, those things that, uh, those moments in time when we start, start to give too much value and worth to the things that we accomplish, Lord. Lord, for others of us, what we honestly struggle with is maybe motivation, and Lord, there's a whole lot of things that go into a struggle with motivation. And so, Lord, I pray for health. I pray for wholeness. I pray that you would meet those of us who are struggling with our mental health right now, Lord, that we would not feel guilt after a message like this, but Lord, we would, we would know your, your, your presence with us. Lord, for others of us, would you just direct us in the right ways, that we would use the time, the energy, the resources that we have, Lord. And Lord, that we would, at the end of the day, feel good about what we've accomplished, Lord, that we would feel like we have given you our best, and Lord, that you have been glorified. God, we are grateful for today again. And Lord, as we sing, we, we dedicate our week to you. In your name we pray, amen.